0: Running for your life. It's choosing the way of escape. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Don't don't get all discouraged that, that you seem to be the only one struggling with and maybe failing with temptation. It goes on. It says it's common to every man, but God is faithful. We learned that last week. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with the temptation, here's our key, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So uh, when we're in this verse, uh, it's one of the most ignored subjects uh, today, and that is the struggle with temptation. Uh, People are tempted to overeat. They're tempted to binge watch on TV. They're tempted to explode at someone who's bothering them. They're tempted to stay in bed too long. They're tempted to lie. They're tempted to steal, and tempted to cheat on an exam. Now, folks, let me tell you, temptation is a real problem. We all struggle with it. Uh, but the worst thing, the most, the most, uh, the most um, uh, critical thing to learn is that Christians don't seem to put up any fight against it. Uh, and and what it means is that most Christians, when when temptation knocks at the door of their life. Christians just walk over let it in and take over their thoughts, their attitudes and their actions and so uh, Christians end up battered and bruised and ashamed uh, not only spiritually but emotionally and sometimes physically. when they let temptation in there's plenty of uh, plenty of relationship that based based on temptation turned into abuse and turned into a disaster. So uh, Christians end up their lives ruined. And the Bible talks about sins that so easily beset us. That means conquers us, defeats us. Is that how you want to be known? Is that what's going to go on your uh, tombstone? Here lies Craig Ledbetter, conquered by sin. Well, I don't want to be known that way, and I hope you don't either. It's not supposed to be that way for us as Christians. We were made free by the death of Jesus Christ in our place. Sin is not supposed to have any dominion over any believer. That doesn't mean that sin doesn't come knocking. doesn't mean that that sin doesn't work on us constantly and temptation doesn't work on us, but it has no control over us, no dominion over us. And we are supposed to believe, according to the Bible, that we are more than conquerors. We're well over uh, struggling with sin. We're beyond that. At least we're supposed to be. So let me, let me show you first off, right off the bat, an example, biblical example of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We need to go to Genesis 39. This is many people's favorite portion of scripture. I know it is my wife's. Genesis chapter 39. And this is a biblical example of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's at least two dozen biblical examples of that one verse. And I'll tell you, it's, uh, that one verse uh, holds and is the centerpiece of most of the Bible. So let's go to Genesis 39, and uh, uh, I want you to meet young Joseph. Now, young Joseph was one of the most important New Testament characters for us to learn from as Christians, apart from Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people may wanna learn from Moses, learn from David, try to learn from Ruth, or or, uh, Boaz, or Mordecai, and Esther. But Joseph is the second most important person out of all the Bible, to learn from. Uh, He's the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Now, he didn't do it on purpose, but his father favored him above all the other 11 sons. And that made a lot of problems in the home. As a matter of fact, his brothers hated him. And they ended up forcibly, they saw an opportunity, and they forcibly sold him into slavery. Now, I don't know. uh, I'm sure my brother wanted to kick, kick me down the street Uh, wanted to lock the door and keep me out of the house and wanted to see me go bye-bye, but he never sold me into slavery. Uh, But these brothers were pretty evil. He ends up being taken 150 miles away. Now that's by horse and by foot. That's an eternity away to, to live in ungodly Egypt. And there he's a slave. And as a slave, he's serving servants. He's, he's in a household called Potiphar's house, a very powerful wealthy man. But this is young Joseph and we when we meet young Joseph, even though he's in that situation, don't you dare judge your Christianity by your wealth or by your success or even by your any of circumstances, even your happiness? because I want you to notice, Joseph was blessed by God, even though he was a slave. A lot of people complain about, well, I'm treated like a slave. Yeah, yeah. Wake up and realize that's the Christian life. We're a servant of the most high God. And we're blessed when we just go ahead and serve. Look at chapter 39, verse one. Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer, of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him. I don't know what he paid for him. But he bought him off, off uh, of the hands of the uh, Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And verse 2, you ought to underline this word, and the Lord was with Joseph. He didn't go alone, even though he was rejected by his brothers, even though his father didn't know what he was and was, was lied to, telling him he had died. The Lord was with Joseph. And he, Potiphar, was a prosperous man. and He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Or Joseph was a prosperous man. Everything he did prospered. Verse three, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in Potiphar's sight. He was treated kindly by Potiphar. And so he served him. Joseph served Potiphar and he made him overseer. Serve that word. That means manager, overseer over all his house and all that he had All that he had, he put into Joseph's hand. And it came to pass from that time that he made him overseer of his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed, not just Joseph, but blessed the Egyptian's house, all the family for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he, Potiphar, left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught what he had. Potiphar didn't even know how much money he had. He didn't know how many cattle he had. Saved the bread, which he did eat. So when he had the food, that's all he saw. Everything else he put in Joseph's care. And Joseph was a goodly person. He was a handsome person and well-favored. Everybody liked him. So here's Joseph. He's blessed of God. Uh, and except if, if you haven't learned this from the Bible, you, you have one responsibility as a Christian, and that is to work your butt off. To work hard at work and to have a right spirit and make your boss look good and make that company succeed. That's your one responsibility. You're, it's not about you. Now, yeah, you got to take breaks. Yes, you got to have a balance there. Yes, you need to have holidays and so on and so forth. But God blesses hard work. And God blesses those who don't complain. So here's Joseph. He's hes noticed by his his slave owner, his owner, for his exceptionally hard dependability as a slave so he makes him the manager of everything that went on in that house he was given power over almost everything that happened when he had, he got to decide when people went to bed he had, he got to decide when they got to get up he decided when everybody what everybody was supposed to be doing during the day and he even had joseph's credit card uh, John, uh, potiphar's credit card whatever needed to be bought joseph went and bought it he had he Potiphar said, I don't even want to know what's in my bank account. I trust you. You're not going to waste my money. So uh, he had great authority in that house over everyone except Potiphar's wife. So uh, now we come to, now everything's going well for for Joseph. And then in verse 7, I want you to see how he's tempted to sin. Verse 7, it came to pass after these things, after he becomes so successful, that his master's wife, circle that word, This is not just a girl on the side. This is not just one of the other servants. This is another man's wife. That that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. She notices him and she said, lie with me. Now that doesn't mean tell a lie with me. It's talking about something else there. Now she's probably spoiled, bored, probably a neglected woman. Potiphar was probably away from house a lot because he was very busy working in the government. And she likes what she sees in Joseph. She sees a hardworking, handsome young man who was passionate about his work. And she noticed that he cared about all the details about how to run that house. I mean, he was doing better than she was. And so she wanted him to show some attention to, some attention to her. So she tempts Joseph. Uh, she, she, um, uh, she asks him to be alone with her, to lie down with her and let's just see what happens. Now, guaranteed, she's probably very beautiful. If she's as wealthy as I imagine she was, she spends two hours every morning dolling herself up so that she's the most beautiful person in the village or in the town or city, wherever she lives. She is absolutely wealthy. She could give Joseph anything and everything that he might ever want. But there are a couple of big problems with this situation. One is she's another man's wife. She's not available for Joseph to even, even to think about. And that meant something back then. It may not mean much today. i seen, I know of too many adulterous relationships and it's, it's just disheartening and it ought to grieve you. So Joseph does what we normally do and he tries to reason with temptation. Verse eight, but he refused. Now that's a good thing, all right? She asks and he refuses and said unto his master's wife. Notice he goes on these t- the next two verses. Behold, think about it. My master wotteth not, what is an old word, means no, understands. My, understand, my, my master understandeth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There's none greater, verse nine, in his house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know, he realizes he's been given great power. He didn't. He didn't just take it. He's not a fighter. He was given great power, and uh, uh, he he had great freedom to run the house any way he wanted. And he says, he says, Potiphar doesn't even know what I do. He trusts me that well. There's no one more authoritative or more powerful than I am in here. But you belong to your husband. You're his wife. How could I choose to do this wrong? and sin willfully against my God. I won't do it. That's a good man. Joseph, man, anybody ever have a Joseph working for you? Give him a pay raise, double his pay, because he's, he's a good man. He's a rare man. Uh, and so he walks out to that temptation, but that's not the end of temptation. I wish we could just say no. I know years ago, they talked about drugs and how people need to just say no. I wish it was that easy. Next thing, verse 11, a trap is set. Verse 10 says, and it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. He wouldn't be in the same room with her. Verse 11, it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. So it was another day, he goes into the house, and he's doing his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. Now, that was unusual. The house was a palace. The house was a very wealthy house, so people are coming and going. Somehow, all the other servants are gone. They've all been Uh, made to work outside, and uh, 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 there was none of the men of the house therein. So what you've got here is a trap being set. Now, let me be real plain. Temptation doesn't reason well. What does that mean? You can't argue with temptation. Uh, Temptation doesn't even make sense. When your heart is engaged, you can't argue with it. There was a, a trap. We call it, there's a there's a legal term for it, it's called entrapment. And it is more wrong to be entrapped than it is to actually do something wrong. So there are serious crimes labeled entrapment, and she is trying to manipulate everything so that Joseph has to be with her. Now no one would see. No one would know, just the two of them alone together how exciting it must have been for her to think about and hoping that he would dream about it and you better believe that Joseph was attracted to her you think well Joseph wouldn't be attracted i uh, know hold on let me just tell you uh, he's a he's a grown man he may be a young man but you know some people say well men shouldn't be attracted to you know ladies when they're basically uh, half dressed and all this stuff no men have to fight that thing if if uh, if you think that Joseph didn't have the pull, then you're forgetting what the Bible says, that temptation is common to all men. So, what we find here is Joseph did not fall. Look in verse twelve, and she caught him by his garment, saying, "Lie with me." So she's she's got it all down to the wire here, and it says this, and he left his garment in her hand, and he fled and he got him out. Now, the truth is, Joseph did not fall. Now, that's rare, but we're going to look why. We're going to try to see how is it that he, he got out, and it's because of one great truth, and that is quoted in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He found the way to escape. Now, it's not like you normally think. It's not like a special door opens in the wall there, and you're able to go through there. It's not like, your enemy becomes zapped and becomes incapacitated. No, no, no. Um, no, there is always a way to escape and it may be hard to go through, but he found it and he ran through it. That's why I call this uh, message, run for your life. So there's some truths you need to learn about, hold your place here, but um, God's way of escape. First of all, without God's help, you will not escape. You may think you've got willpower and you you have not been tempted yet then. Uh, too many women think they try to raise their boys so they're not like their husband. And you better be careful because you take the man out of the boy and you've lost you've lost a lot. Not that that boy should give in to sin, but boys are boys. Men are men. So are women. Women are women. And this thing has to be bat- battled on a different degree than just, I want my son not to be attracted to women. Well, you're going to get that and you won't like it. So here, Without God's help, if you're real, if you're true and honest as a Christian, without God's help, you will not escape. You know, uh, armies when they when they attack, they don't just attack head on. Powerful armies encircle their enemy and surround them and trap them in, so that the so that the you they try to get you and I to surrender. And that's exactly what the devil does. He will entrap you, he will make it so that you think there is no escape. There is no way out. But if you will remember last week's message, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. You will but will also make a way to escape. So without God's help, you will not find that way. You will you will collapse. And people say, "Well, I haven't sinned in 10 years. You just did." you just lied, you, you, you deal with sin all the time and you are tempted to sin all the time. Now you ought to have the victory over temptation. Don't tell me you have victory over sin if you don't have victory over temptation. We'll talk about that in a little while. Without God's help, you will not escape. Escaping has short and long-term consequences. What do I mean by that? Do you know it's harder to do right than to do wrong? It is always harder. To do right than to do wrong. Don't you tell me, oh, I, I just I just love going to church and I just love reading my Bible. You may be on a high, but give yourself three weeks. Let's talk to you later. Oh, I just love doing this. And I just love um, uh, uh, soul winning. Amen, amen. But when you get tempted, let's see how victorious you are day after day after day. Potiphar's wife didn't give up on him and kept working. Even though he mentally, he says, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in. She didn't stop. It, when you escape, it will be harder to walk away than it will be to just give in. There's another fact. It is usually more enjoyable to sin than to suffer. That's, that's an obvious. <laughs> fact number three, God is usually slower to bless you than the devil will. You know, if you do right, you want God to just open up heaven and, and stand in and applause to you. <laughs> you ever seen a man after he's done the dishes? He says, oh, honey, did you see? I did the dishes, you know, I did the (laughs) where. We want applause right then and there. God doesn't do that. God waits. Now the devil, you do something wrong and boy, the rewards, the praise. You just, if you're a Christian and you go back to the world, you pick up that drink and you take that that pint of of poison and and, and you put that down your, your gullet, you'll have 30 people stand up and clap for you right then and there. You walk past that uh, pub in silence and nobody will notice you. Truth is, when you escape from temptation, God is slower to bless you than the devil will. In the short term, you'll probably lose your friends. If you choose to do the right things, you'll probably lose promotions or maybe even your job if if you decide to just do the right thing at work. You may be lonely. If you choose to find the right mate, you'll stay lonely for a long time And you may wait for a long time for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right to come along. But in the long term, that's the the rub. God will give you all the right desires, supply every one of your desires of your heart. So you got to understand, when you escape, there's not an instant, oh, good, I'm blessed. No, you already were blessed. Temptations will get easier the more you choose to escape them. You cannot wrestle them and win overall, and it be done. No, the truth is you're gonna to have to wrestle again and again, and you may have to run for your life. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee, flee also youthful lust." Why would he tell that to a preacher? Because we're tempted just like you, just like everybody. But the more you escape, the easier it gets. You will have God's, you will always, if if you take God's way of escape, you will always have God's help if you choose it. Why? Because God's faithful. God's faithful to help you if you choose the way of escape. He's not going to help you if you stay in sin. Yeah, he'll leave you there. It grieves the Holy Spirit because he's with you for you to go down that path. But he's not going to help you, not until you say, I want to come home. The way of escape, there's two more points here. The way of escape is always bearable. It is always doable for a Christian. It is not impossible to do. The Bible says that you may be able to bear it. You say, I can't handle the pressure. I can't handle the stress. I'm telling you, um, I can't put this drink down. I can't walk away from the drugs. I can't stay away from the friends. I keep sneaking out. It's just, I can't stop. Yes, you can. If you're saved, you can. God always makes it bearable. And I notice, not that it's easy, but you can handle it. Now, here's a great truth. I need you to go to Psalm 119. We'll come back here because we got to come back to uh, Genesis 39. But go to the middle of your Bible. Go to Psalm 119 in verse 45. Psalm 119, 45. And the writer of Psalms 119 says this, And I will walk at liberty for I seek thy precepts. Now just get the thought for a minute. You know, many a many a, a dog lives in the back garden of the house and he's running up and down along the fence because he sees or she sees other dogs outside the fence all free. And that dog probably just gets, now some of them are protecting you, but some of them just wanna get outside and wants to be free. But the truth is this, I will walk at liberty because I seek thy precepts. That's a great truth. You wanna be free? You need to know where some boundaries are. You know, that dog running there, I don't know if you can see him there, that dog running back and forth, whatever other animals are outside there, whatever freedom you you may imagine is outside of that fence is not freedom. Because just outside of that fence are not just other dogs, but there is a roaring lion. For the Christian, when we don't know where the boundaries are and when we don't have fences over what we are going to allow ourselves to do and what we will not allow ourselves to do, when, when we don't have that we tomorrows on, we're on tomorrow's menu for the devil. Go to first um, uh, Peter First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five right after Hebrews comes James and then first Peter. First Peter chapter 5, you know this verse but let's see the context of it here. First Peter 5: 8 be sober. That means be aware of where you're at. If this dog did not have that fence there, he would not survive. Not unless he's a pit bull terrier. Say, First uh, Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. You think Joseph was vigilant? I believe he was. Because your adversary, the devil, he walketh about. Put next to that, he's free. Now, not free like the Christian is, but means he can go anywhere he wants. He can tempt anyone he wants. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, when I'm inside of God's law, when I'm inside his boundary, the devil doesn't get to devour me. But the moment I mess with the gate and I open that gate and I run on out there, there's no guarantee that I won't be gone tomorrow. The wages of sin is death, folks. So I want you to just understand, uh, you'll always have more liberty when you keep within God's limits. Um, If you're not willing to let God put limits on your life, then you're going to be devoured by Satan. That's just the truth. So, what do we have to do when we're tempted? Number one, recognize the temptations you face. Joseph was tempted by more than just a beautiful woman. He felt every temptation you and I would feel in that situation. I guarantee you, he was tempted to complain. Every morning he had to get up before everybody else. He got less sleep than anybody else. It was expected that he had to work the hardest. He was tempted to be depressed. He had no wife. He had no children, no family. He had no freedom. His life was owned by someone else. He had no house of his own. He couldn't save up and buy his own house. Couldn't even get out of the house and have his own house. He was tempted, I guarantee, he was tempted to run away. Bet you he wished he could have gone home and said to his father, "I'm alive." And he was tempted to steal from Potiphar. you know in that house with a credit card I mean I, I know he didn't have a credit card, but that's he had the power to be able to buy anything he wanted with the money of Potiphar and uh, he could have stolen he could have put money in his back pocket nobody would have known. But uh, do you know what temptations you battle? Most time, we don't think about what we're tempted to do. We're so used to temptations not that we don't, even listen, we don't even hesitate anymore. Just let them in. Ask God to show your weaknesses as sins. When your weakness is smoking, believe me, even the whiff of the aroma of somebody else smoking is going to get you. You need to know, that's my temptation. If your weakness is anger, you need to know it. And you need to know that when anger comes knocking and starts attracting you to react with anger, you need to know, that's my weakness. What about lust? I mean, you just got a habit where you pull up your phone or you're on the internet or you're watching movies you shouldn't be watching and lust gets activated. You got to know that's your weakness. Uh, Constant complaining, you know, that's a wicked sin. A A lot of men deal with lust. A lot of women deal with complaining. Be honest about what your weakness is, covetousness, people are never com- content. I mean, when this when this uh, lockdown opens up, there will be more complaining than you and I can ever imagine. All right, we already complain. I complain. I find myself complaining, standing in line with 30 people ahead of me. It's going to be two hours before we get in somewhere, and my old flesh starts pulling up there, and I start complaining. Why this? Why that? Wow, man. Is that my weakness? Yes, it is. And when my spirit starts feeling about complaining, I need to know that's my weakness. What about lying? You probably are used to just lying about everything. You need to realize that's your temptation, that's your weakness. Recognize the temptations you face and then know the consequences. Uh, Proverbs, I told you the to whole week, you'll come to Genesis here in just a moment, but one more cross-reference, Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16, 25. Know the consequences of yielding to sin. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Boy, don't we think that's the right way. But the end thereof, the consequences, the results, the outcome, do you hear that? Are the ways of death. So there are consequences to what we do. Um, every temptation has a choice. You need to learn look to learn look beyond the temptation, beyond the pretty dress, beyond that fake smile that a guy gives you, ladies. Beyond the fast money that you can make in an opportunity, beyond the lie that you're living. Look beyond the snooze button and realize you're gonna be late for work, you're probably gonna be fired. Look beyond that six pack sitting on the on the coffee table there. Galatians 6. Verse 7, don't go there, but Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says this Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit, he that lives to the Spirit, invests in the spiritual things, shall reap life everlasting. Temptations always have a, uh, have a, Uh, Is a choice. It always has a consequence. What were the consequences of Joseph's actions? Uh, We would imagine that that God would open up heaven and say, this is my servant, honor him. No, that's not what happened. Go back to Genesis 39. In verse 13, Genesis 39, look back there in verse 12, and she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand. He fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he, her husband, hath brought in a Hebrew. That was a slam. Unto us, to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, as if he was the one who initiated it. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me. And he fled and he got him out. And she laid up his garment by her as proof until his Lord, till his master came home. And she spake unto him, according to those same words saying the Hebrew servant, which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me, as if to say he tried to rape me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife which she spake unto him, saying, after this manner did thy servant under me in his wrath, that his wrath was kindled. Did he call Joseph in and ask him his side of the story? No. Verse 20, and Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, which was like the Tower of London. It was a place where you go just before you die. And he was there in prison. What were the consequences of Joseph's actions? He infuriated Potiphar's wife. And don't. Forget when you struggle with temptation and you walk away from it, you run away from it, you will infuriate the devil. He was then falsely accused of attempted assault and rape. Um, you try to do right, and people will make up stories about you doing wrong. He was imprisoned on death row, he had no defense, nobody asked his side of the story. He was guilty, he was just his word against her. So, who are you going to believe? And he's from, from at that moment when he's sitting in that prison, he has lost and he has lost and he has lost and he has lost. Everything has gone down as he's done right. Yet, three words God is faithful. Joseph could control nothing, but God was in control. What would have been the consequences if Joseph had yielded to temptation? I guarantee you he would have enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a brief season, but then possible pregnancy. You know, God promises that God that our sins will be found out. Don't you think that I can get away with this? Whatever you're messing with right now, your wife will find out or your kids will find out or your boss will find out. You know, God will expose and he does expose sin. You better take that as a serious verse. Numbers chapter 32, 23 says this, Behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. It'll expose you. So that little encounter, that one afternoon would lead to justifiable execution, capital punishment by Potiphar, and Joseph would have had no help, no defense from God or anyone. He would never have had his own home if he had given into that one brief encounter, that one temptation, he would never, ever have his own wife, his own home, his own kids. How many young men have sold out their future and never got married, never will get married because they messed around at 16, 17, 18, 19, and now nobody wants them? The only way to get that thing fixed is to get right with God, get saved, and then start doing right and let God turn the consequences around. Maybe God will make things right for you but you've got to start to realize we reap what we sow. You know what the worst thing about it? If Joseph had given in to her temptation, he would never have been used by God. He was, you know the rest of the story, I hope, he was used to bring salvation to all of God's people. He's a type of Jesus Christ. And his, his life is, is so worthy. There's 300 ways that Joseph is just like Jesus Christ and a great example for the Christian, I can be like Joseph. Now, uh, but if Joseph had given him that sin, we wouldn't even be reading about him. God would have been too ashamed to even mention him. So know the consequences. Know the consequences of sneaking out of the house. Know the consequences of fooling around, of of taking that drink and picking up that, that uh, cannabis and playing with sin. Know the consequences. The Bible calls people who who make make fun of sin fools. God says that. Don't don't think that it's just that bottle you're tempted with. No, it's a path that will lead you to destruction. Decide to live. That's a great choice. I have to choose to either enjoy enjoy sin or I choose to live. Um, You know, God wants you to have fun. God wants you to enjoy life but sinning against God is never right. If you wanna have life, the Bible says, follow Jesus. Um, uh, John 10, 10, I got a lot of scriptures. I'm gonna just try to finish this up. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, that's the devil. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Romans 6, 16 says, "Know you're not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, Whomever you yield to, his servants you are to whom you obey. Uh, whether of sin unto, where does it lead? Say it out loud. Go ahead, in your home. If I yield to sin, it will result, the consequences will be death. Or of obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But doesn't God have a way of escape that gives you the gift of Life now, it's not on your willpower, it's not through your church, it's not through some great prayer life you might have, it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Joshua 24 15. You ought to know this scripture. We're learning Joshua in, in children's church, but Joshua said at the end of his life, he challenged the whole nation of Israel and he said, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Isn't that funny? He puts it on them. God doesn't force them to do right. He says, you choose to do right. Choose whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose to live. Choose what takes longer to be blessed by. Third, fourth, look to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you got saved, it's only because of one thing you did, you decided to follow him. You decided to trust him. So study him. Don't just learn the Bible, study the author of the Bible. Look for Jesus in the life of Joseph. Look for Jesus in the life of of Adam, in the life of Eve, in the life of Ruth, in the life of Sarah, in the life of Abraham. In every situation, there is a picture, an illustration, an example of Jesus Christ. Now, some of them are examples of the devil, but learn of Jesus. Listen to his voice. You know, he does not speak outside of this Bible. If you're waiting for a dream, if you're waiting for a vision, if you're waiting for lightning, you're missing it. God speaks with a still quiet small voice in the pages of this book. It, it, if you're going to, if, if you keep focusing on what you shouldn't do, let me be real plain. You've got you've got a, a six-pack of beer on the coffee table. You've got a bottle of, of wine, it's expensive wine you've got that uh, uh, packet of pills or powder, whatever you've got that's looking at you, do not argue with it. Don't debate it. Don't resist it. You cannot look at sin and defeat it. You cannot be looking at pornography and defeat it. You're gonna have to look to Jesus Christ. If you don't wanna walk in sin, you gotta walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So get your heart in your time and your thinking, all around one person, Jesus Christ. It's that easy. It's also that hard. You're going to have to change your schedule. You're going to have to change your your attitude. Oh, boring! I'm reading my Bible. No, you're keeping your heart clean. You're keeping your mind off of the temptations that you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to fight if you were constantly. Let's looking at TikTok and and watching Snapchat. You're not, you can't reason with it. Run for your life looking unto Jesus. Isn't that a funny thing in Hebrews chapter 12? It says, looking unto Jesus in our race, let us run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus. Bible's got got all the uh, angles covered. Do the things he did the way he did them. That'll, That'll get you where you just keep your mouth shut. You know, Jesus suffered doing the right thing, didn't he? But in the end, he won. Another thought, and this is probably, this was one whole message that I'm having to just throw in here. So just put up with me for a minute. What do we do when we're tempted? Allow God to overrule. You know, none of us like it when somebody steps in and tells us what to do and what not to do. But every Christian is supposed to be overruled by God. You know, we've been overruled for the past two months, haven't we? We've been told what we cannot do. We can't drive. We couldn't drive uh, more than three kilometers. We couldn't We couldn't see our grandparents. I'm a grandparent. I couldn't, wasn't supposed to see my grandkids. There were all of these restrictions. Businesses were closed down. Churches were closed down forcibly. We were told what we can and cannot do. Well, good. Do you know God should be able to tell us what we can and cannot do too? You know, there are too many of you watching me right now and you're content with the government telling you what you can and cannot do. And you're happy to wear the masks. You're happy to stay inside your house. You're happy to comply. And yet when God says, don't do something, you brush it off and go, Pharisee, legalist. I'm free to do what I want. Yeah, you're like that dog. Wishing that fence was down. Let God overrule. He should be able to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it, Craig. Don't say it. You know, I cannot just watch what I wanna watch on my phone or on a TV or on the internet anymore. I cannot, because the Bible says in Psalm 101, verse three, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them, the actors that turn aside, they go away from God. It shall not cleave unto me. It will not stick to me. <clears throat> I cannot just follow my heart either. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart, hold it back with all diligence. Put a leash on your heart for out of it are all the issues of life. Every issue you're dealing with came out of your heart. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame uh, school. You can't blame society. All the issues you're dealing with came out of your own heart. So keep, you know, I can't follow my heart. Neither can you. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. <laughs> Who can know it? Who knows how deep it goes? I can't just blow up and say whatever I want. Whatever I feel like cannot be said. Psalm 141, verse three says, set a watch, set a guard, O Lord, before my mouth. Put a a, a, a soldier there. Keep the doors of my lips. Why is he saying that? Because I say the wrong thing. Because so, I, I, I I cut people down. I say hurtful things. I say blasphemous things. I say cruel things. Proverbs 29, 11 says, "A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards." So you need to realize, God. I, I could give you hundreds of scriptures. I, I'm just like I said, this was a whole message on letting God overrule us. And and the 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 the, the verses about against me having the freedom to say what I want are in the hundreds. I cannot live in fear either. I cannot live in fear. Uh, there There are plenty of things that scare me, scare you. I mean, going to the hospital for an operation, that'll scare anybody, but you can't live in it. You just press on, you trust the Lord, you sing praises to God, you leave the consequences, you leave the end to God. The Bible says in Luke 12, verse six, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Not one of them is forgotten before God, but even the very hairs of your head are numbered Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Did you notice the words? Fear not. I can't make all the decisions in my home anymore. You know, as a Christian, I can't just do what I want to do. I need to do a lot of listening. God gave me somebody much more spiritual than I am called my wife, and I need to let her be right. Now, a lot of men are raised to think that I'm supposed to be right. Yeah, you're supposed to be right, but your wife is probably just just infinitely more right than you are. And it's something for a Christian man to decide, you know, I'm gonna listen to my wife because she may have something that she knows from the Bible that I'm not listening to. She may have a sense where I'm just ignoring something in the Bible and she reminds me of. I can't just, well, I'm, I'm just gonna make all the decisions. Well, yeah, you go ahead and try and fail. Allow God to overrule you. You know what the Bible says in first Peter 3, 7? Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with your wife according to knowledge giving honor until you know what honor means it means just say that she's pretty it means to, to just doesn't say that you brag on her to other people it means to honor means to let her make decisions let her be right even when you think it's not quite right uh, as if she's a weaker vessel not that she is and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered so work with her I can't, I can't just do my own thing. I've got to clear some stuff with her. I've got to work with her. She's my equal. I can't keep looking at other women. My nature is supposed to be overruled by God. I find myself looking down the street. I mean, everybody's wearing stupid things, man. Makes them <laughs> makes you just, just want to go crazy, just scream at him, say, hey, put some clothes on. And I can't keep, I, I can't find myself looking and then keep looking. Uh my nature as wicked as it is, has to be overruled by God. I can't stay bitter. God overrules every one of my wrong attitudes and he commands me to replace them with right attitudes. I can't stay in bed on Sundays. God says, I have to assemble with other believers. I have to. Hebrews 10, 25 says, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Yeah, a lot of people, the manner, the habit of some is to stay away from church but exhorting one another. I hope I'm working that towards you. I hope you realize your text and your encouragement to me exhorts me and encourages me, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching, Christians ought to be stronger, more vibrant, more passionate about about church and about each other than ever before. And I can't stay angry. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and sin not, hold back. You get angry, well, you better not say the wrong thing. You better not do the wrong thing. You better not um, think the wrong thing. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's a command. You know, I, my whole point is I need to have God be able to tell me, don't do that. Uh, I'm owned by Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, so are you. Just like, Just like Joseph, he says, I'm owned. I can't just do what I please. And if you and I would just allow God to be the boss of our life, we'd be better able to resist the devil. I want you to go to James 4 7. You can leave Genesis now. James 4 7. <clears throat> James 4 7. If you would just let God be the Lord of your life, I mean, we call him Lord. A lot of people drop that title. They talk about. Jesus being Savior, and he is a Savior, but he's God, and he's Lord, and he's in charge. The Bible says that if I will let him be Lord of my life, be ruler of my life, be in charge of my life, in charge of my mouth, in charge of my thinking, in charge of my heart, if I let him be in charge, I can resist the devil. And what does the Bible say the devil will do? Look at uh, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Notice that word, submit, means let God lead. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I like that. So I'm rarely approached, I guarantee you the devil doesn't mess time with me. I'm small pickings. I don't think the devil would waste time trying to get me to sin. All he has to do is send a little temptation and, and it's hard enough. But if the devil ever came around and started to encircle me and actually put the pressure on me, the Bible says, if I submit to God, if I submit my mouth to God, if I submit my heart my life, my plans, my will, my thoughts, if I submit everything to God, I then can say to the devil, go back where you came from. Get out of here. Leave me alone. And at that moment, the Bible says this, he will flee. And I like that word. He won't walk away. He will run away. And you know what else will happen? If God's allowed to overrule things in your life and temptations, you'll get answers to prayer again. You'll have joy instead of just some carnal happiness from time to time. You'll start to live free of smoking, free of anger and wrath, free of complaining. That doesn't mean that you don't struggle with it, but you'll you'll live differently. You'll start winning in the spiritual battles going on around you. You'll never be free from temptation, but you'll be free from the victories, from the dominion of temptation over you. Another thought, and I know I'm going on and I should stop, but I gotta say this, go ahead and lose your shirt. When Joseph ran out of that room, she had a hold of a very expensive tunic. Uh, what he had underneath was just his underclothes. And when she grabbed that thing, she thought she had him. He couldn't leave because if he left, he would look almost naked. He would be embarrassed. He would be, he would be um, exposed for everybody to laugh at, look at. So she had a hold of his outer garment there. And when he ran off, he lost his shirt. I'm so tired of hearing people say, I can't stop. It's so hard to do the right thing. You don't understand what I'm going through. Well, some of that may be true, but you can stop lusting for things. You can can put a drink down and you never pick it up again. You can stay pure till marriage. You can talk without using profanity and curse words. And you can get up and get a job and defeat laziness. But it needs this one great truth. Watch it. You ready? Temptations only go away when they've been fully dealt with. See, Joseph couldn't just keep telling her, no. She was going to put pressure on more and more and more and surround and pressure until he gave in. When you lose your shirt, it means when you go ahead and run for your life away from temptation. Here's some ideas how to ruin the pull of temptation. You ready? I sat down. And I thought of these things yesterday. I did some of these. Right now I never picked up a drink. I never drank. I never smoked. But I had other pet sins. You need to go outside and publicly in front of all your neighbors, set up some sort of a metal uh platform or whatever, and publicly burn every pack of cigarettes you've got in your house. Watch your neighbors freak out when they see it all burning, going up in smoke. I mean, the most expensive fire you may, but burn every pack publicly. Burn every rock and roll record. You know, I find people still have their records. I did it. Now, today with, with Spotify and with all the music that everybody's had, I, I wish we still had records so that people could publicly burn them. I had to do that. When I was Uh, 18 years old, I had a trouble trying to go forward for God, trying to live for God and still listen to the world's music. And I was challenged, burn the bridge back to that old life. So I pulled out all my records, all my Beatles music, all of the, the wicked music that I had, I thought they were innocent. And I took them and I broke them. The ones that wouldn't break, just went in the fire and I burned them. I told everybody I burned them. Nobody ever gave me another record. Nobody ever came along and told me, did you listen to this or listen to that? I told them, I'm through with it. I'm listening to different music. If you got drink, you ought to go outside and pour all those bottles of drink right out in front of everybody and then smash the bottles in the glass bin. Watch the alcohol kill all that grass and realize you were putting that into your body. Why don't you phone up the off license and curse them for ever selling such poison? Give out to them. There are too many of you that'll give out to the school or you give out to the government. Why don't you give out to the poison dealers? Phone up the off-license and tell them, this is Craig Ledbetter. I was in there last week and I bought two scotch, two whiskeys and uh, uh, two two, six-packs of whatever. And I'm ashamed of you and I hate you and I've never come back in your store, store again and get them so mad at you that you never go back in there. That'll make it so that if... You used to go in and honor that place, phone them up, and make it so that you never can go back in there again. That's called losing your shirt. You never have an opportunity to go back into that place again. Downgrade your phone so that you can't get images on it. Trade it in for a clamshell phone. Uh, I wish we had rotary dial phones again. Lose your old reputation. Start all over at the bottom. You know how many? No matter how many times. You used to, uh, uh, you know, spend all your money and everything. And everybody was happy with you. Tell them I'm not spending my money on the drink. I'm not going to the pub anymore. This is you walking away and you're losing your shirt. People will see you just as a normal guy now. Somebody doesn't have any outer shell, any image on them. It's all back down to zero. You ought to put every penny you used to put into the drink and into the drugs and decide, you know, I'm going to give this to God. I'm going to give it to missionaries. I'm going to give it for the furtherance of the gospel and leave the outcome to God. Say, will God open the windows of heaven and and, and show you uh, his appreciation? Probably not right away. But if you leave the consequences up to God, you'll start to live by faith. I want to hear from heaven one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want some treasures waiting for me up in heaven when I get there. I want to live a long life and see my grandchildren getting married. Hmm. I want the blessings of the Lord, and not the deceit of manipulation. I want to have a clean conscience at night and be able to sleep at night. You know, Moses left everything behind him, and he left it all to God, and he just did the right things there after that encounter at the um, uh, at the fiery at the um, uh, burning bush. Hebrews eleven twenty four says, "By faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter." He walked out of Egypt, while well, he was actually chased out, but he lost his shirt, is his point. He ran for his life and he, he, was, he was choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He esteemed, he valued the reproach of Christ, greater riches than all the, re, the treasures in Egypt. He saw the consequences of living in Egypt and saw the results and the blessings of living for God. Whatever you do, don't expect just an instant blessing, it's instant you know, success, just leave the consequences to God and I guarantee you, they'll be awesome. This real simple illustration is this, the magnet of temptation is for you to follow your heart. It will always lead to sin. If you follow your heart, we say, well, how do I, how do I? You, you you follow Jesus with your heart. You don't follow your heart, which is following temptation. There are delayed consequences. You start smoking, you start drinking, you don't drop dead right away, but there are delayed consequences and it leads to ultimate death. And there's two deaths. If you're not saved, there's physical death and then there's eternal death separated from God. But you have a choice. Every Christian's actually got a choice. You can choose to follow the Holy Spirit of God that also has a pull. And he says, follow me. Jesus You're sitting there reading the Bible and it's like the Holy Spirit talking right to you, follow me. And it leads to godliness. It leads, instead of to sin, all of a sudden there's a different way of living. Now there's slow successes. You may not just be the head of the company by tomorrow, but there's abundant life. Jesus said, I give you life abundant and it's eternal. So let's finish this. Temptation is a real problem for every one of us but the worst thing is that Christians don't even put up a fight against it. They'll think something and then they'll say it and not go, wait a minute, I better think, should I say it? Should I say it? They end up spiritually taken, they end up taken by sins. That so totally easily conquers even Christians and defeats them. It's not supposed to be that way. First Corinthians 10, 13 is a foundational scripture where so much of the Bible hangs on this great verse, the commonality of, of temptation, the faithfulness of God, and the way that is all of escape that's always there for the Christian. Joseph, the son of Jacob, is a great example of finding God's way of escape. He felt the very real pull of temptation. He could not just ignore it. He tried. He had to run from it, didn't he? Read the last chapters of your Bible. And guess what? All the consequences of doing right and all the consequences of doing wrong are all laid out there. to you want to be judged by your works? You'll stand there and God will judge them and you will be condemned. You're never going to be good enough. That's why Jesus came to save. This promise of God making a way to escape is for only born again Christians, people who've repented of their sin and cried out to God to save them from their sin. If you are a real child of God, then run for your life. When temptation comes knocking, get in the habit of humbling yourself, asking God for help, submitting to God's rule over you. Remember what the Bible says about what you can and cannot do and go, I'm gonna stay in the boundary. I will walk at liberty in God's laws. And then when the devil comes to the fence and starts trying to get your attention, you can say, go away. And the Bible says he will flee. But last question I got for you, are you even a Christian? If not, I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm gonna ask you right now to bow your head. I'm gonna ask you to ask Jesus Christ right now to take away your sin record, forgive you of every one of your sins. That's what he does. He came and he healed to prove that he can do the invisible, the impossible. He can forgive us. Ask God to replace all that past, all that failure with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Will you decide to follow him today? Decide. You know, well, I decided that years ago. Well, amen. Well, pick it up now. Decide, you know what? On the job tomorrow um, uh, at home when pressure is on, temptation's there. I'm going to say, Lord, help me be like you. If, if, if I can be like Joseph, I'll actually be more like you.